from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Hour, Steve Cofield, Willie Ramirez, Finley Toyota Studios. It's Cofield and Company. We're going to continue the coverage, at least with a uh, an eye on the West Coast in this whole Pac-12, Big 12, ACC, college football conference chaos dealio. We'll talk to a media dude in a little bit who's a Cal guy. So I want to hear what uh, all these different schools are thinking right now. And all of this you know, could play out well or status quo for UNLV and what conference UNLV is going to be in. Down the road. Right now, there's baseball on one of our sister stations, the Aviators Baseball. LVA? Las Vegas Aviator, Las Vegas Aces. Uh, Aviators Baseball right now just started first inning. They're in Oklahoma City. You can hear it on Raider Nation Radio. 920 as Russ Langer is on the call. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. You know, I'm glad to know on Twitter when people are getting engaged in this whole college conference thing that uh, folks are actually involved in the process will chime in and answer. Because I've seen a lot of people bash UNLV. um, But I don't know that they would actually do that to someone's face. And I I actually had an interesting encounter, it was very brief, with a commit who's going to Oregon State. Mm. Kid's name is Aiden Childs. Oh, boy. Right? Top 10 quarterback in California. Had Big Ten offers, had other Pac-12 offers. He committed to Oregon State. Well, with the news of last week, if you notice... Most of the Pac-12 conversations, you know, the the, the stuff coming from the Midwest is, hey, uh, we're going to grab these six schools, right, for the Big 12. Yeah. Utah, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, maybe Arizona State, Arizona. Cal Stanford aren't mentioned, but nor are Oregon State and Washington State. So anyway, this Aiden Childs is committed to Oregon State. And I said, I wonder, I said on Twitter, I wonder if he'll re- you know, rethink his commit because you're committing to play in the Pac-12. It's a little bit different if Oregon State is a member of, say, the Mountain West three years from now. So I started noticing other child's family members liking the comments. Yeah. And then I saw then the uh, the kid Aiden Childs is like, I ain't going anywhere. So we'll see. You're stirring it up. I mean, is it not a legit thought? It's not. It is. I mean, legit, you're, you're, you're committing. You're committing to go to a Pac-12 school. That's a big deal when you're a California kid, and then all of a sudden you might find out six runs, months from now that Oregon State's not in the Pac-12. There is no Pac-12. Well, what you need to do is you click his reply, pull it up on Twitter, right? Because right. you use TweetDeck like I do. Pull it up on the actual Twitter, and then right-click on the, the the status, the date, the time, all that, and get the URL. And save it. Just in case. <laughs> what if he leaves? Then you can go. Ah, ah, ah. No, I don't. I don't need to. He's the kid's like seventeen or eighteen, so he feels one way right now. I don't need to what about rub it in if he changes his mind. A couple, in three yeah. years. What if he changes his mind in three years? Then he's twenty. What? What? what, what I have to win everything. <laughs> Look at me. I was right. You all were seventeen. Of, you didn't a, know anything. All of a sudden, Ed, do I have to be right, Mister Bet everything? <laughs> Oh, I was actually referencing you. Oh, you love to send in stories uh, a week later. Like I said it first. Yep. I was right. Pull the sound. Pull the audio. Yes. Yeah, get, get me the audio. <laughs> yes, yes. We have plenty of audio. Uh, number four. Uh, On to the NFL. So Brett Favre talking about Devonte Adams going to Derek Carr. Says that Devonte is not going to be able to match that performance. Give me a little Colin Cowherd retorting. 
And I heard that quote and I thought, well, the exact opposite is true. Devontae Adams goes to Derek Carr, who since he entered the league, or at least the last seven years, he leads the NFL in fourth quarter comebacks. Derek Carr is a top 10 quarterback. He carried a dysfunctional sideshow last year to the playoffs. In the AFC, the better conference. Okay. And yes, over the weekend, there was actually Raider fans who were getting upset at Favre by suggesting that Carr is a drop down from Rodgers for Devontae Adams. Carr is a drop down from Aaron Rodgers, but it doesn't mean that they can't be productive. They're, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a little more accomplished. Oh, maybe a lot more. But- I think Derek Carr is a very good quarterback, Brett Favre said, but he's not in Aaron's league yet. May never be. And that's no disrespect. What okay? Tell me what's wrong with that statement. Nothing. I don't have Nothing. a problem with any of this. But I don't think that. I also think that they can have a productive season, as we spoke earlier with Miles Simmons from Pro Football Folk. Is that the numbers may not equate, but if they get into the playoffs and Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and Devontae Adams combine to produce one of the best receiving cores and giving Derek Carr some of the best passing numbers in the league, does it really matter? Are we going to start comparing what Devontae did with Aaron Rodgers and he did with Derek Carr when the, the, the philosophy is with the new regime and this new look offense, get into the postseason. That's the goal. The goal is not to set career marks and passer receiver marks. The goal is to get into the postseason. Brett Favre said I'd be shocked if he had the same year, Devontae Adams. I'd be shocked, too, because he's got two other viable targets. I feel like you're yelling at me, and you should be yelling at Brett Favre. Sorry. 123 catches, 1,553 yards, and 11 touchdowns. It would be That'd be a monster season, and I think, as you said earlier, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk suggested, that probably means something. That's a great year. But that may mean that something happened with Renfro or Waller from a health standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if he does that and those guys both, you know, go 160 catches combined for like 2,200 yards, like, oh, my God, what an offense. If if you get 125 catches and 1,500 yards from your number one guy, holy crap. Number three. So what's the latest now with Brittany Griner? Brittany Griner wrote a letter, um, sent it to President Biden, pleading for his help. Sent it on Independence Day, saying, "I'm terrified and I might be here forever." She uh, she she threw in there that she voted for the first time ever in 2020. She voted for him. That um, she she in in the letter said, "You know, please don't forget about me and the d- other detainees that are here." And do whatever you can to bring us home. And she admitted that she's terrified. And she thinks she's worried that she's never coming back. She said that. I don't blame her. What she's facing is, as you said, terrifying. An alleged alleged She can can get 10 years? I I mean, I I hope not. What would you think of one of the WNBA coaches saying if it was LeBron James, he'd be back here? That was her coach, Vanessa Nygaard. I disagree with it. I mean, I understand what she's trying to, the point she's trying to get across, but what is everybody's number one thing that they're saying? They're saying wrongfully detained. Why? She's being used as a pawn, right? 
That's what they're saying? Trade bait? They're, they're keeping some, her there? Some people are saying that. Okay. So if LeBron James was there, that's an even bigger trading piece. That's a bigger bargaining chip. You think it would have been done by now? I don't know if it would have been done by now, but my point is that the, the way that they're making this seem is that if LeBron James was there, it's a stronger bargaining chip for Russia. They they wouldn't be so quick. They'd be able, they could ask for a... She's making it seem if LeBron James is more important than Brittany Griner. In her eyes, she's she's the one that brought this up. Vanessa Nygaard. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, in terms of the prestige and the point they're trying to make, don't you think that they would probably hold on to him even longer to try to get even more? So I, I disagree with trying to compare and say, I understand mm-hmm. the plea, and I, I totally get it, especially with what the alleged charge is and what, they're, and what the supposed trade is for the merchant of death. I think that's a guy's yeah. what they call it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I get it, and I understand what she's trying, the point she's trying to make. I just think it was a bad example, in my opinion. Number two. Are we getting more basketball here in town? Professional basketball in Las Vegas? It looks like it. Mark Spears, ESPN reporting earlier today, one the Clippers have changed their G League name to the Ontario Clippers. They've got a nice, relatively new arena yep. in Ontario. In other G League news, this is important to us. Sources saying the Ignite, right? That's the team that Jaden Hardy played on a year ago. They had uh, two prospects from the G League Ignite drafted in the top 10. Says the Ignite are likely moving from being headquartered in Walnut Creek, California to the Las Vegas suburb of Henderson where they will play at the new arena, the DLC. Why not? Everybody else is coming here. It, it would be... Now, Is does that all of a sudden open the door? And I don't know. I didn't have a chance to look this up, but I'm wondering... So, like, with the Aviators, right? Uh, when when all the talk was of that the Oakland A's kept looking at properties out here and Vegas was basically being used as a, as a, uh, a threat or a bargaining tool for Oakland... That if if Major League Baseball did come, the Aviators had to go away, correct? So if the G League can you have an NBA team and the G League in the same city, if, if well, on the same area, same area, certainly, you can. Yeah. So I mean, isn't the Clippers are in? I'm sorry, the uh, Warriors are Santa Cruz still. I think the so okay. aren't the whatever they're called now. They still and the they, Defenders. Maybe, they're right down the road, aren't they? In El Segundo, because maybe they're putting them in Henderson, and they could bring the Las Vegas NBA team. So, but. So a 32-game season. So there you go. A bit of an anchor tenant for the DLC. That's cool. You think it'll draw? I think it would. Sure. For the Dollar Loan Center, some G League basketball, and you're talking about guys that, you know, that they're on the precipice of getting in. Potential right top there. 10 picks, maybe. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I, there's diehard basketball fans. And, I, and, I, and here's the thing. Athletes Unlimited that came here for five weeks in late January and early February and all of February, a women's professional league um, with a lot of WNBA players and a lot of WNBA hopefuls. There were some crowded games out there. There were some time, some days where it was a little sparse, but there were some crowded and there was some exciting basketball. So I mean, I think that there's a healthy appetite for basketball in this town. Pro basketball. You see how the AAU sells out. I mean, those games, you know, in comparable settings and, and arenas. You see how the, uh, the even the smaller conferences, when they bring those early preseason tournaments to Las Vegas, doesn't always have to be a big name. Um, there's a good draw. 
I think there's a definitely a healthy appetite for basketball. Do we have to turn out a decent amount of fans per game? Convince the NBA to come here. I can't even spit it out. No, I don't, I don't think. I don't think the no. minor league, G League attendance will. No, I don't think that has be a do or die situation for the no. NBA. They won't even, here. It, it won't. I think it's just it's just wet your appetite till we get there. I don't think it has. I don't think it's like well, let's test the waters with this G League team. Entirely different. I got news for you. The NBA comes to Las Vegas. It's going to be like the Golden Knights' first season. It'll be sold out. It'll be it'll be a hot ticket. I would venture to say, do you remember this, Steve? Like, because you're a winning time guy. But Showtime into the Kobe, like the most popular night for the locals for the when the Lakers were at home. You remember it was Sunday nights? Did you know that? Their Sunday night home games, it was like a club. Like you, I mean, they were getting G'd. They were like they're going out to the club. They were, where's the after party? What are they going? I think that that'll be like that for Vegas. Heck, that's what we see at Aces games. You're seeing people come out, the, the stars, the celebrities, the, uh, the the Raiders, athletes. They're sitting Gucci Row. So, I don't know. I think, I think there's healthy enough appetite for G League, for the NBA. We got the Summer League coming up. You're going to see. It'll be packed. Number one. I don't know if I like this from an organization standpoint. I like it from a let's stir the pot standpoint. Genie bus with a cryptic tweet. Owner of the Lakers. You just mentioned winning time. Yeah. She tweeted out, I miss KB, Kobe Bryant. He would understand and explain everything that I'm not allowed to. Owner of the team. What? Honestly, he was the greatest Laker ever. Wait a second. He understood team over self, meaning your rewards would come if you valued team goals over your own. Then everything would fall into place. All can reply. Okay, who is she going after? There's LeBron, a- his agency, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook. You left one out? You didn't even realize it, did you? This is a woman that you watched winning time. Who did she bond with? Who did she watch grow up? In the organization, who is the confidant of all confidants? Who is considered the greatest Laker of all time? No shot at Magic Johnson in this. She she I, she misses KB because he would understand and explain everything. She's not allowed what to. Is that? How is how is this Magic? She can't go to Magic and talk to him. She she wishes that. Uh, all due respect to Kobe, I'm a Kobe guy. I covered Kobe in high school, but she misses KB. Because he would understand. You're telling me that Magic Johnson, someone you've known since he was a rookie, he wouldn't understand? Honestly, he was the greatest Laker ever. Wait a minute. All due respect to my guy, Kobe Bryant. Magic Johnson, in my opinion, was the greatest Laker ever. He understood team over self. Magic didn't? Meaning your rewards would come if you valued team goals over your own, then everything would fall into place. Now that part of it, I think it's a shot at Anthony Davis. Oh, there's multiple shots in here. Well, I you mean, haven't you, you sold can, me you, at all on Magic read... Johnson being the target of this this cryptic tweet, this subtweet, the dreaded subtweet. I don't. I'll tell you who I don't think it is. I don't think it's a shot at LeBron in any way, shape, or form. But Anthony Davis, where is he at? Damn. I mean, have we heard from Anthony Davis? Do we know where is he doing any workouts? Is he what's up with Anthony Davis? I think it. 
I just I, I don't know if it's directly at Magic. I think there's a collection of targets in this, but I think it's very telling. A lot of the things that she's saying, and by the way, she tweeted this at eleven eleven angel numbers. You know what they say, right? Angel Wait, numbers, 1111, 444, 555, really? 333. She tweeted at 1111. I think Jeannie Buss was in her feels, cracked open a little cab soft, maybe a Merlot. She was feeling it. She's a little upset. And she's got nobody to talk to. But I'm just baffled because if you watched Winning Time, she, I mean, she, she knows Magic Johnson. And I just, that's something <clears throat> that I thought of with a lot of these sentences. <laughs> He would understand and explain everything. Uh, Magic wouldn't. Honestly, he was the greatest Laker ever. Oh, 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 oh. He understood team over self. Yes, we get that because Kobe spent all 20 years. But didn't Kobe at one point, wasn't there a contract dispute? And he was going to go to the Bulls. And hey, ho, hey. Magic spent his career with the Lakers. I mean, I mean, granted, awesome. it ended a little abruptly, but I don't know. I, I just, thought it was the obvious. It's a slap in the face to magic. I don't think it's so obvious, and I'm not on board that it's LeBron. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. He has surpassed the kings of Egypt and the rock on which he stands is not a rock. It is the United States of America with 63 Nathan's Famous Hot Dogs and Buns. Yowie Chestnut! Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. We did it again, Joey Chestnut, champion 15th time, so screw Rafael Nadal, who's got 14 French Opens. This is bigger. 15 mustard belts. Did it on a bum right ankle. I don't know. He had a tendon issue in his in his leg. Even had to potentially choke a guy out for a couple of seconds. It was lunacy. It was magical. Completely awesome. What are you shaking your head over? You keep bringing that up. You brought that up earlier. On the what does the ankle got to do with it? Athletically, to balance yourself. Stop it. Stop. There's a lot of movement. Stop. Uh, I don't know if you've watched him eating in the past. He will generally kind of jump up and down to get the dogs moving through the uh, esophagus. Can't jump with the bum ankle. Yeah. But then the adrenaline flowed, and when a guy came up and protested, he choked him He quickly. went to the personal trainer. He got a cortisone shot. We just appreciate greatness. Wrapped it up. Just because you got knee surgery and you were, you know, squatting 700 no, he, pounds three days later saying, is not, not everyone could be you. You just got done saying he's an athlete. He is an athlete. Okay, so he went to the medic tent, got it taped up, got ready to go. He's a pro pro. Okay. So I'm overdoing it. I just think it's a bum ankle. I mean, come on now. He's standing there. I mean. The that dude, was George Shea on the way back, by the way. He, was he overdoing it? No. I got to tell you, I wasn't happy. Went out to get a Jason Fitz on. We used to have Jason on all the time. Now he's uh, he's a regular on Raider Nation Radio 920. Um, I don't think he would rip his coworker, but I didn't think John Anderson on play-by-play did a very good job. John Anderson sounded to me like he was annoyed by all the pomp of the event. Like, that's what the event is. We know, we know we're all being cheesy about, pun intended, right, about an eating contest. Play along, John. You've it done- doesn't have to be all, you know, pouring cold water on it because it's not, it's not that, you know, it's not that much fun. You've done your share of, of color commentary, and you've done some play-by-play. I think for that, it's a combination of both. Could Would you like to do that? 
Could I do the hot dog eating contest? No, would you like to? Would I like to? No, I don't think I'm up to snuff on that. Hmm. I don't think I'm good enough. I think, and plus, I would not be able to control my emotions. Yeah. I would get way too worked up. That's why it would be great. Yeah. There's a, there's a middle ground between John Anderson and, you know. Is there a hot link eating contest? <laughs> there? there probably is. There probably is. <laughs> would you like me to call uh, one more bite Rodriguez, our fight expert? He was in the contest. I don't know how he did this year. He's usually like a 22 dog guy. Should we have a contest with the Cofield and Company? I think you already suggested it with the tortilla slapping, and I'm going to have to look into it. Oh, that's coming. I'm going to bring tortillas and, and water to Thursday's show. We're going live. We're going live. That's it. <laughs> we can try it. <laughs> I have to watch it, though. I got to see the danger. I don't do anything that's real dangerous anymore. I'm very careful. <laughs> But I stay. I stayed in all weekend. I got you know. Well, we got to do this in the grab bag because I saw uh, Tixie Segerbloom, uh, Clark County Commissioner, had a, an interesting tweet about getting all traffic off of the strip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was down on the strip to go see a show. It was it was you know once again an interesting experience trying to get in and around, and it's only going to get crazier as now property is a hot commodity. People are scooping up property left and right. And in fact, there's a new casino going up. Uh, just down the road from uh, Mandalay Bay, like a 550-room casino going up right there by Russell and LV Boulevard. A short walk to the stadium. But coming up, let's go to Northern California. There's been all this doom and gloom about the Pac-12. I mean, I guess if the Pac-12 just freaking imploded and then there's a bunch of openings, the Mountain West could merge with whatever's left of the Pac-12 and it would make for a pretty decent league. But is that is that really what all of us want? In, in college sports, especially college football and college basketball, is for the Pac-12 to just disappear? Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. No, no, no. Kyrie Irving getting traded to the Lakers or not? There's no traction on any type of a Lakers deal for Kyrie Irving. Yikes. So uh, there's there's nothing new on that, and, and I, I'm not quite sure we're going to see that take place. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. 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 There he is, champs. Right now, Lakers getting Kyrie Irving. Not a whole lot going on on that front. Willie Ramirez, Cofield. We're part of this chaos in Armageddon when it comes to football, basketball, college sports conferences, because, of course, we're very tied to the Pac-12. We want to see where UNLV is going to be. Five years from now, one of the guys who works for the Pac-12 Network for ESPN went to Cal. He's a West Coast guy. we got to get more of this perspective in here instead of all this nonsense from Big 12 people saying the Pac-12 is going to be Dunsky. Roxy Bernstein is up with Cofield & Company. Roxy, how you doing, buddy? Steve, what's up, man? Well, you know what? I'm going to get right to the point. Is the Pac-12 going to be gone? <laughs> is the Pac-12 going to be gone in three years? What's going on? I, I think it's way premature to try to put that statement out there. There's a lot to play out. And remember, a year ago, we were thinking the Big 12 was done, right? Mm-hmm. That it was going to be lights out with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, and now they're still doing okay, and they've added some teams. So I, I expect these next few weeks are going to be very interesting, leading up to Pac-12 Football Media Day, which is coming up at the end of the month down in L.A. But I anticipate George Klyovkov being extremely active, the – Fisher, the Pac-12, and I'm already hearing he's doing some heavy lifting behind the scenes. We'll see how this plays out, but uh, I, I think it's way premature at this point to say, oh, the Pac-12 is going to be done. There's a lot to still play out. 
So before we get to the bigger picture, I wanted to get to Northern California and your perspective on Stanford a little bit, but Cal, right? So I'm, I'm seeing all these plans and I don't see Cal and Stanford involved. Like how are Cal people feeling right now? Do they feel like, Hey, this, this whole thing could blow up. And then they're looking around like, wait, what conference are we in? What's the status right now at Cal and what they're thinking? I, I think there's some concern and it's fair to say that there's some nervousness about what's going on with the landscape. Um, but it seems at this point that Cal and Stanford are tied together. They're pretty unified that they have each other's best interest in mind. Now, Cal's an extremely attractive property when you look at the fact that they're, they're in the top five media market in the country. They're the number one public university in the world academically. And like Stanford, they have so much success in the Olympic sports. Uh, now, football has it's been a little bit inconsistent, but... And let's face it, Steve, at the end of the day, it's money and it's football that's driving this. And we'll see how it plays out. But I think that right now there's a unified front with the 10 Pac-12 schools that remain. And I think a big key is Oregon and Washington, what happens with them. I mean, I think they could dictate a lot as far as the longevity of what's going on with the Pac-12. So there's still a lot of time to play out. I, I Cal's obviously concerned, as they should be, but we're still trying to digest the bombshell that was dropped on us last Thursday. And I think a big step today was that George Klinovkov in the conference announced that they're going ahead and proceeding as far as the next media rights and the television deal, which is up in two years, and that is, I think, a significant step by the Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Northern California. I'm glad you mentioned that football drives the bus, and... I, I'm under the impression that TV markets are, are what count as much as anything, and I'm kind of wondering how Northern California isn't of interest, but the, the conference that feels stable has Ames, Lubbock, Waco, Manhattan, Kansas, and Stillwater. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. No. And that's the point. Like, there's these rumblings, oh, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, they might be looking. Do you think that – Kyle Whittingham in Utah or Carl Durrell in Colorado or Herm Edwards, that they want to go to Ames and Morgantown and the Little Apple. and I don't think they want to do it. So uh, it's all posturing right now, and it, I'd be interested to see if the Pac-12 becomes aggressive. Like you look at the Big 12 teams, there are some teams you might want to poach. For example, okay, you look Blue Blood basketball program in UCLA, one of the most storied programs in the country. Yep. Well, guess what? There's a school that you can't necessarily fill the void of UCLA, but Kansas is a pretty good program also, right? So what if the Pac-12 turn their sights on trying to recruit Kansas to come out west? And I know their football stinks, but their basketball program is elite. They also bring the Kansas City market, which is not in L.A., but it's still a pretty significant market. So some of the Big 12 schools that the Pac-12 can pick from, I think that's a school you may target if you're the Pac-12 and, and, and trying to stabilize what's going on. You mentioned the commissioner's name a couple of times. What do we know about him, uh, you, you know, for you especially, that it, you have confidence that he's going to win this battle of aggression? Well, he's been successful. You look at all the media properties he's been involved in. Certainly people in Vegas are familiar with him, mm -hmm. running MGM Sports for a while. So that gives me confidence. And just people who knew him before he took the job and the person that he is 
the character that he is, and the smart business acumen that he's got. So that's what leads me optimistic in this scenario, and that he is not sitting idly by. And it's not about him. He, in a lot of ways, Steve, he's in survival mode right now. He's trying to preserve the conference in one of the most storied conferences in the history of college athletics. And he's taking it upon himself, I think, as his mission to try to be aggressive, to try to be proactive here. And that's what gives me the confidence that Klyovkov is the right guy in this situation where the league right now has a lot of work to do. Speaking with Roxy Bernstein, play-by-play broadcaster, ESPN, Pac-12 Network. Roxy, from a local standpoint here in Las Vegas, there's obviously the buzz behind the scenes, sort of an underlying buzz, if you will, involving the Mountain West. With whatever, t- and as you mentioned, it's premature to predict anything with the Pac-12, but how does this all, in a way, affect, or does it even, either positively or negatively, the Mountain West Conference? I think it could affect it, because the Pac-12 may look to a couple Mountain West teams to bring them aboard, right? You lost two Southern California teams. Well, there's still another Cal- Southern California program that's pretty good, right? San Diego State's had some good football. The basketball program's been really good. They have a brand-new football stadium that's getting set to open. There's a lot of positives with San Diego State. And getting back into Southern California, they could be an attractive team if the Pac-12 is looking to expand. And Fresno State, I know, has put it out there. They've made overtures. But in all honesty, does Fresno State move the needle? And, look, I love Jeff Tedford, and I think Jeff Tedford's great, football coach at Fresno, but... What does Fresno State bring? And that's the question. How do they enhance the brand and help the league? And financially, does it make sense? And I don't know if it does. Uh, to me, and even Boise State, as good as they've been, that doesn't really do it for me, to be honest with you. That's why UNLV, for example, would be a more attractive fit if I'm looking at it from a financial standpoint than those other schools would be because you bring in the Vegas market. And it's, it's a big city. It's a big town. And that's significant televisions you're bringing into your market. Now, you wish that Marcus Arroyo and the football program would be doing a little bit better because it could make it an easier move, and maybe it will get better. And I, I love Marcus. I think he's a terrific football guy, and, and basketball hasn't been what we've known UNLV hoops to be in the past. But that those, to me, when I'm looking at the Mountain West, if I could cherry-pick a couple schools that could help the Pac-12, to me, I, I think it's San Diego State and UNLV are the, probably the most attractive teams to help the Pac-12 and establish themselves in the region again. Does So with that, and, and as you mentioned about UNLV's football program and, of course, the, the storied UNLV men's basketball program, a move to the Pac-12. Let's say that they're, it's status quo. Marcus, I believe, is going to have an improved football team this year. I actually think they have a chance to get to the bowl game. I think Kevin Kruger is doing a good job, and I think we're going to see improvements. But let's say status quo and they're still mediocre average teams in a few years. What does a move to the Pac-12 do all of a sudden for recruiting and for the program and financially, and how all of a sudden does it elevate and maybe return to a once-prominent status in college basketball and a boost for the football program? Well, I think you're going to have a lot more eyeballs if you're joining the Pac-12, right? All of a sudden, you're going to be part of the ESPN brand as opposed to uh, some games on FS1 and CBS Sports Network. I think that becomes more attractive. And I think there's more in it financially if you come to the Pac-12. As good as you know the Mountain West has been, and look, I know the Pac-12 taken a hit, but it's still the Pac-12 and you're still a Power 5 league. 
So I think that would benefit UNLV in a number of areas. So all of a sudden it could generate buzz. I, I think you're getting more high-profile recruits if you're in the Pac-12 as opposed to the Mountain West Conference. Um, look, the Mountain West has had some good teams over the years, basketball-wise, right? San Diego State's had some good years. New Mexico's not what it was. I think Nico Medved's done a really good job at Colorado State. But it doesn't have the depth and the strength that the Pac-12 has. So I think financially and would make a lot of sense. And just from a popularity standpoint and getting your brand out there because you'll have more eyeballs on you if you're with the Pac-12 host the Mountain West. Roxy Bernstein with us. Let's go back to the beginning of the conversation. Uh, Cal, Stanford, in terms of loyalty, if the Big Ten did come calling for those two schools, Gonzo? I would think so at this point, yeah. but I think everything now, Steve, is hinging on Notre Dame. Right? Yeah. I think that's what everybody's waiting for to see what the Fighting Irish are going to do. And that could open the door. And all of a sudden, okay, if Notre Dame is in, then does the Big Ten make overtures to come and get more teams out west to give travel partners and lessen the load on SC and UCLA? Do they go after Oregon? Do they go after Washington? Do they try to bring in Cal and Stanford? So I think there's still a lot for this thing to play out. And that's why I think it's imperative that the Pac-12 be proactive, and that's what they're doing right now to try to hold this thing together. Last one, I thought this was interesting from uh, John Canzano, who does a really good job of covering the Oregon scene and you know Portland doing radio show. And uh, he had a story out today where he said that there could be a discussion for a, another loose relationship. It didn't work out with the uh, the Big Ten of the Pac-12, but they could do a, a Pac-12 ACC deal where, hey, maybe there's only going to be one bid available to both leagues if they're both stripped down a little bit. What do you think of that? A, a loose relationship where they'd actually have like a Pac-12 ACC title game, and he said it would be in Vegas. And, and that's interesting because you look at the connection that it could possibly have, that ESPN could be the conduit to bring both sides together. Mm-hmm. So, and look, Notre Dame is still a part of the ACC, and Notre Dame looked to jump there, and if that's the case, I think it could enhance the brand for both the Pac-12 and the ACC. And the other thing I found interesting, Steve, and you brought it up, John Canzano's article, was just Phil Knight and, you know, the former CEO of Nike and the founder of Nike. How much will his influence play out here, considering everybody knows he's Oregon's most significant, prominent donor. But what people also don't realize how much money he gives Stanford to Oregon State. And so I think his involvement here could be something to watch just because of he wants what's best and he has an affinity for the Pac-12 and the University of Oregon. So I think that's something that could also, and I think John Cantano brought that up, was an interesting point that he made. How was your uh, 4th of July assignment yesterday? It was good. It was yeah. a good ball game. Uh, boy, Julio Rodriguez, that kid for the Mariners, yeah. wow. He is special. And that's he is a budding star. It's fun to watch the electricity he plays the game with. He's worth the price of admission. That home run he hit yesterday up to the top of the Western Metal Supply Company. That was a shot. So the Mariners are on the right path. They got off to a slow start, but that was the cool thing yesterday is getting to watch him play. Yep. Yeah, I think both organizations, the Padres are ahead of them in terms of uh, you know being more mature, but they're both in, in good shape for the future for like the next five years. And both teams need to get healthy. You look yeah. at Tatis missing from the lineup right now. Will Myers is out for the pod. The Mariners are still without Mitch Hanniger, Kyle Lewis. Uh, they're hoping to get Ty France back this week. So they're, they're two teams that are pretty similar in terms of the way they're going right now. But 
you know, the Mariners trying to claw back to 500, and the Padres have had a rough couple of weeks just trying to hang in there with the Dodgers. Roxy, you're awesome, man. Thank you. Appreciate you chiming in. You got it, boys. Anytime. Conference of Champions. Let's go. <laughs> well, let's hope it stays together. There he is. Roxy Bernstein, Cal Guy, Pac-12 Network, ESPN. All right, there you go, right? Pumping people up a little bit. Or is that actually not what people want to hear? They want to hear the Pac-12 is going to be destroyed and then there's going to be some Mountain West Pac-12 combo. What do you think? What do you think UNLV fans want? Oh, I think UNLV fans, let's get to the Pac-12. That would be goal number one. Uh, but I can tell you, if the Pac-12 loses six schools, that's not good well, for the no, West Coast. No. And it's not a good Pac-12 at that point. No. You can't have the thing obliterated and then you know join a conference that's limping around looking for you know new schools to join in. No, would, would not be a great scenario. I don't think that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it would be. It would be bad because because huh? now you're looking at like you said because I had to think about what you said because that's a, that was a great sort of analogy is teams limping around looking to I mean, get you. They're, they're just like that. That's what it would be. It would just be a conference with a flat tire. Like now, where do we go? Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. NBA Summer League is here. Starts up on Thursday. We got a four-pack of tickets right now. Give Ari a call. Call her 7364-1100-364-1100. UNLVtickets.com is where you can grab your own tickets. Got 11 days. 75 games, all the top picks in the most recent NBA draft, and many from the last couple of years are going to be playing, and it's a uh, American basketball convention at both the Cox Pavilion and Thomas and Mac. So UNLVtickets.com is where you can get the tickets, and we've got a four-pack right now, 364-1100. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So I mentioned earlier in the hour I saw the tweet from uh, Tick Seagerbloom, yeah. Clark County Commissioner, who just threw the question out there, and this has been a discussion that's been going on for a few years about – Traffic on the Las Vegas Strip. Should we just shut it down? It's one big pedestrian mall. No cars. I don't know if I agree with it. I don't know if I, I don't know if you want and just have the entire road being filled with pedestrians. I, I, I don't know if I'm with that. I just don't Well, what's the biggest challenge you have to take care of? So then how do people get in and around the strip? So that means well, with every, the with the improvement that's probably coming now yeah. on Koval, that has to get better. And then on the west side of the strip, that's Sinatra, right? Dean Martin's on the other side. I always get Sinatra and Dean Martin mixed up with the roads. But both of those access roads, both of those roads that yeah. run parallel with the strip have to get better. So but I don't know there's no I don't think there's any room to enlarge them. Could those two roads handle all the traffic? But wouldn't it be great if we actually had a monorail that people used and was convenient or light rail? Well, the one thing I, I will say is just about every – I mean, because of Sinatra and D. Martin, they, they do provide the access to park. I just don't know – I mean, I don't know where people are going to park. if they. So instead of driving up and down the strip, to, to do, do people want to walk up and down the strip? I don't know if you're going to have a packed strip of pedestrians. Like, people want to drive up and down the tourists. They're taking pictures to see it. 
they're driving through. They don't want to walk up and down the strip. You're going to tell me that people would rather walk up and down the street in the middle of July in 115 degree heat than drive well, it's in not, AC? It's not 115 here all year long. Okay, but we still. get three super hot months, and then you know a few more that are hot, and you can walk beyond that. I don't know. I can't imagine getting rid of cars on Las Vegas Boulevard. I'm not with that. I don't agree with tick. When's whoa? Uh, when's the last time you've actually driven up and down the strip? <laughs> On a regular basis? Not on a regular basis. Just the last time you did it. I don't remember. Because, I mean, anytime I go to the strip, I'm taking all the back roads because I know I'm not. Yeah, no. Unless I get stuck. I, I actually, I think I... There's only one time that there's only there's only one occasion where I'll go, and that is because I forget sometimes driving into town, and I forget that the off-ramp where the spaghetti bowl, and you, you go from the uh, 95 to the 15, and to stay on there, you go to the left. But I forget that Sahara, the only way to take Sahara is to stay far right on that on that entrance, mm-hmm. that, that entry. So I forget. And then I got to get off on Spring Mountain to come down to Las Vegas Boulevard, <laughs> take a left to get to Piero's. That's really you know o- You know the new Trop and 15 project, they're dumping Trop underneath. Yeah. Right? So there's right. not going to be a light there by the in and out right. and uh, Wild Wild West. Yeah. So what if we what if we did underpasses for every street? I'm not with that it. crosses LV Boulevard. We got to come up with something, man. More stadiums and arenas coming. Got to come up with something. What? This is the time to do it. Cobalt is going to be like a racetrack. I saw. The, I, I, I drove the other day down uh, Spring Mountain, past the Venetian. I'm like, oh, they they graded up the road. Let's go. Like did F1 you drive, quality road. You drove like a Formula One racer. Oh yeah, I freaking banged around the corner. You, either you can't because it's always backed up. But I'm like, yeah, they're working on the road. That's all I've been looking I, for. I was just having this conversation yesterday at the barbecue that I was at with some old school folks. Sure. They came here in the same time frame that I did, 72, yeah. 73, and we were talking about how cruising down the strip. Back in the day, that was the thing to do on Friday and Saturday nights. You cruise the, It was like, where are you going to go? We're going to cruise the strip, and then we're going to hit the clubs. And the, the cruising the strip meant Spring Mountain to Circus Circus. And you just kept going. You kept making laps. You didn't cruise Fremont? No. When, it, when they didn't have the uh, the dome on it? Going down. To, that, down that wasn't a thing. Oh, it wasn't a thing? It wasn't, no. For the not, cool guys? No, it just wasn't a thing. Like the teens okay. back then, you, yeah. you cruise the strip, and then you go to the clubs. And that was that was the big deal. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So Friday night, I went to see a show, kind of on the strip at the at the uh, at the north end at the Strat. Okay, Sammy Hagar. Oh, well, nice, my lord. How was it? He was good. Sounds pretty close to the way he's always sounded. You know, he's a little roly poly now, right? He's seventy four years old. Wow. I was standing there. I'm like, ah, my back. Was he on anything? I have no idea. Now, but I you, was having trouble standing for an hour and a half, and then he's running around the stage. I'm like, he's 20-plus years older than me. This is nuts. He was very good, though. Were you a Sammy or David Lee Roth guy for Van Halen? Probably David Lee Roth, but you know what? I started thinking about all the songs that uh, Sammy Hagar did with him. There's a lot of good songs. He, yeah. uh, he also had a really good solo career. So yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a Sammy Hagar junkie. Right. The people I'm with start like mentioning, they're like, oh, you're getting a treat. Like this, He's playing this from way back. I'm like, I have no idea what this is. But then you know, I, I did some research at home, as I always do. I want to learn. Yeah. But he sounds great. So I have, does that, what is David Lee Roth doing now? Anyone know? know? Can he, know. does he perform? Can he show up on time? Like, what's the deal? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. yeah Sammy Hagar, he had a good run. He had like, what, 86 to 97? I think it was with Van Halen. Yeah. I think they're both good. But I, I think he I still think it was David before, Van Halen. Before 86. Uh, David Van Halen. Uh, David. Um, David Lee Roth is still a 
notch above. Yeah, I believe that. With Van Halen. I'm with that. But very good show. Very good show. This was a very good show. Okay. All right. I'm just imagining being able to like park somewhere near the north end of the strip and then just walk. Well, it's a pedestrian mall. It's a pedestrian mall. We can walk right you walk right through the intersection. That's a arrow. Wouldn't that be cool? They're gonna build up all that area right by the strat. It's gonna be real nice. No, Steve. Down the road. You're not buying it? Nope. I'm out. Man, I'm you out. got sullen at the end of the show. I don't know what happened. I, I'm out. I'm Jeez. just I'm just out on the pedestrian. Well, I want you to think about it more. I think there's positives to it. Or we're gonna get tick on and he's gonna rip your head off. He'll bring in the positives. Actually, that's not really his style. So have a good Tuesday night. We're back tomorrow. We'll be live from the uh, Battleborn Broadcast Center.